This podcast is brought to you exclusively by the Publisher's Desk Podcast Network and the Reality Check Podcast Network. Welcome to Does Father Know Best, a unique podcast with father and son hosts, Stan and John Wagland. We will cover a wide variety of topics and take an in-depth look into the world with a raw, real, and comprehensive approach from two different generations. And now, I present to you the hosts of Does Father Know Best, Stan and John Wagland. Hey everybody, this is Stan Wangland, and I'm one of the co-hosts, I'm sure, of a show that hopefully is becoming one of your favorites, Does Father Know Best? And I'm the father part of this uh, combo here, and my co-host is my son, John Wangland, and uh, we're here on our... I, I make this mistake every week. I'm, I'm giving Episode like 12. Here. Episode 12, I was going to say episode 13 of our show, and... Uh, Man, I'll tell you, I love to say it on my show, Just Thinking, and I'm loving it on this show. Thanks for all the support for the show. People are seeming to really enjoy it. The uh, Lots of new fans, uh, listeners each week. So wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Today, we have some good things, um, some interesting things, I should say, uh, to talk about. Uh, the You know, a couple of different sports uh, items that are out there, you know, uh, doesn't have anything to do with COVID virus or President Trump. <laughs> uh, and it has to do with the uh, stuff with the NFL and Colin uh, uh, Kaepernick and also some of the Hall of Fame uh, choices that might be coming up and some controversies or some some opinions regarding that. Uh, you know, we're, uh, we'd like to discuss those from kind of an intergenerational point of view. And then here's one that's definitely, actually my parents' generation more than mine, but it was a big deal in the 30s, probably one of the most famous movies that has ever been made uh, and the favorite of so many people, uh, Gone with the Wind, with uh, the famous uh, actress Vivian Leigh as Scarlett O'Hara, and of course, everybody knows uh, Clark Gable, was in the picture Rep Butler, his famous line, frankly, Scarlet, I don't give a damn. Even you know that one, John, am I correct? Yes. You've heard of that. But more important than that, man, oh man, uh, with Black Lives Matter, with all the consciousness that's coming to um, the fact about uh, racial injustice in our country and how African-Americans or people of color are portrayed, holy Jesus, uh, this one is uh, cringeworthy, uh, to say the least, uh, as the Confederate flags have been taken down and, and whatever. Man, this is one for the ages. I think Gun with the Wind was done in 1934, 1938. Uh, 1939, excuse me, uh, was the year. And one of the big actresses in that uh, film was a black actress called Hattie McDaniel. And she played Mammy. And oh my God, she, how many movies she was in, uh, Addie McDaniel as Ma- Mammy. And then you had Butterfly McQueen, another uh, you know famous black actress. And this is all about the Civil War. It's all about Reconstruction and all of the kinds of things. And man, did this was this a film for film historians or people who love films? You, you talk about shaping ideas about black people. Wow. It, even as a kid in the 50s, when I'd see this, I'd say, holy Jesus, uh, you knew there was that this is not how you wanted to be portrayed if you were black. 
So it's a full pack show here, man. What do you think about this, man? How are you doing this week, John? And which one would you like to jump on first, buddy? Man, I'm doing good. Always good to be here. Always uh, glad to do the show with you here. It's a Monday. It's a beautiful day as we send this out here. We try to get it out every uh, Sunday and Wednesday, but yes, this weekend was quite busy with stuff, so we got it out Monday instead. But man, I'm doing good. It's uh, it's lots of stuff going on. Let's get into Gone with the Wind first. You already kind of laid the framework for it there. Um, let's get into Gone with the Wind. So they re- they took it off of all streaming services um, mm-hmm. this past week. Um, I believe it was on HBO streaming. I don't know if it was on Netflix or not, but it's yes. It, uh, I don't know if it was on Netflix, but it's been on every channel in America. And when I was a kid, they used to have the show that would play every week. Remember, uh, and you've probably even heard of it, John Million Dollar Movie, where they would play the, the movie over and over every day, every, you know, just continuously 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And then the next movie would start. Gone with the Wind has been shown more times. It's like it's like I Love Lucy. It's, it's probably one of the most legendary films of all time, correct? It, it could be. Yeah. It, it, it could very well be. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's all about this. It's all about the antebellum South. It's all about, you know, prior to the Civil War, romanticizing the Civil War, uh, you know, what happened to the, uh, you know, the people who owned the plantations of the Civil War, what the role of black people were and my God, what what absurd stereotypes and, uh, you know, stereotypes that that put white people in positions where they pretty much treated black people like they were children or animals or uh, just so disrespectfully. And, and I'm a, a, a tremendous old movie buff, as you well know. I study it like history. And Gone with the Wind is so, I mean, you talk about white supremacy. That's it, man. It's actually shaped uh, people's understanding. And it's erroneous of the Civil War and the Reconstruction period, perhaps more than any other thing, more than history books or any other thing, uh, all that kind of stuff. This movie, because, man, it panders. It, it panders to the, the, you know, the noble cause of the lost cause of the Confederacy, the romanticism of, uh, you know, white women running around in petticoats and having Mammy to take care of them, which is Hattie McDaniel, Hattie McDaniel. And she's uh, Mammy. Can you imagine? Uh, that's I- what. That's what the singer Al Jolson used to sing. Mammy. You've heard that song, right? From yeah. The old time from the 20s. Uh-huh. I walk a thousand miles for one of your smiles, my mammy. And he'd do it in blackface. How disrespectful, man. <laughs> well, that was the world at that time. This is this is what people, you know, people thought was, uh, you know, was uh, fantastic. And well, I found some interesting things about it, actually, in regards to that. Do you know, know there was, a, you know, that there was a very large uprisings and protests due to the release of the movie? What's going on? You have John Wangland, one of the hosts of Wrestling With Reality. Check out our shows this week on Wrestling With Reality. We have some great shows. We have our MMA show. We look at is Khabib Namaga Madoff versus George St. Pierre a reality? Why John Jones is such a disgrace to the UFC? We also have on WCW Monday Nitro Watch Along, and we take a look back at Triple H in his 25-year career in the WWE. So check out Wrestling With Reality on all major podcast outlets. Are you interested in spirituality and the paranormal? 
Do you enjoy having conversations about social issues and current events with a balanced and spiritual perspective? Are you intrigued by ancient prophecies and mysteries of the past or just unraveling modern-day conspiracy theories? If so, I would like to invite you to come on a journey with me on my show, The Spirit Side, available on all the major podcast platforms. I'm Paul James Caden, and I hope to see you there. I didn't know that, and I read the same thing. Yeah. Yes, that the black people couldn't stand it. Yeah, that I saw some of the pictures from the protest today, actually, doing the research on it. Mm-hmm. And it was very interesting. And when they reproduced it later on um, and put it back out in the movie theaters, I saw um, an, I saw an article written about how Malcolm X was uh, went to go see it as a teenager and mm-hmm. how he was the only African-American. He recalled how he was the only African-American in the crowd. And just his initial thoughts and and disgust on it and what an impact it played on um, his right, his reasoning to being an activist, you know, for the African-American culture and a lot of the the mindset and beliefs that he had. And he equated a lot of that to the movies. Oh, it's it's uh, you know, it's it's an amazing it's an amazing movie. And there was only one other movie that was a silent movie. And I love silent films. And many, many silent films set the tone for movies like Dracula or um, uh, Metropolis set the the tone for, you know, lots of pictures uh, like Logan's Run and things like that. You know, these were silent films uh, and everything else like that. And one of the biggest was from one of the biggest directors of all time prior to this, uh, which was D.W. Griffin uh, in his famous movie was Birth of a Nation. And holy Christ, you want to talk about a, ra- a, a racist film. It's about the Civil War. It's about Reconstruction. It's about carpetbaggers. Um, but most of all, it's about the birth of the Ku Klux Klan. And it's portrayed as you know being saviors of, uh, of white Southerners by black carpetbaggers. Uh, it, it, believable Unbelievable. If I was a black person, I'd shit my pants seeing this stuff. And this was the, this was the um, D.W. Griffith, uh, you, you know, formed um, Universal, uh, the Universal Studios with Mary Pickford and her husband, Douglas Fairbanks, a senior, you know, the famous swashbuckling uh, people. And Mary Pickford was a sweetheart of, uh, of America. I, I think I think it was Universal. Uh, the first big motion picture thing, and, and D.W. Griffith was in on it. So this is how Americans got their perception of of African Americans in the movies, right? But yeah, so I found the book when they originally put the book out. You know, a lot of people think of just the movie, but they don't know about the book. You know, right. that came out with it. So the book, you know, of course, is what is what set off the making of the movie. And the book, when they originally did it, was they only projected that it was going to release uh, um, and sell about 5,000 copies. Do you know how many it ended up selling? No, I don't know. But I know that she won the National Book Award and the Pulitzer Prize for it. Seven million. Jesus. Yeah. Think about that. You project that you're going to get 5,000 sales on the book, and that's how many that you're planning to sell. And that's what you're basing your projections Mm -hmm. on. And that's seven million people ended up uh, buying the book. Have you ever read the book part of it? No, I have never read the book and I never cared for the picture. Yeah, I've never really seen the picture all the way through, so I don't know much about it. I've seen little bits and pieces of it. There was actually things when they did the movie portion of it that they ended up changing around to try to make it more sensitive than what was in the book. 
So I there can't is, imagine. Yeah, uh, one of one of them was when the Scarlet, I guess, was attacked by somebody in the movie. Now they depicted it as a white individual in the movie, but in the book, the real way it was written, that Scarlet had gone through a village and was attacked by um, by an angry African American man uh, and gang, and they raped her. That was the original thing that they put in the movie and the right or in the book and the retribution to it was that uh, they they sent the Ku Klux Klan out after him. Right. So the book is way more racist than the movie, man. <laughs> like and that's, and that's right in line. That's right in line with uh, just what I told you about Birth of a Nation. Yeah. From D.W. Griffith. And that's right in line for the, the 1920s. And into the early 1930s, when the Ku Klux Klan had huge power in the South and marched on Washington with hundreds and hundreds of thousands of Klan members. And, and this was uh, this was to keep, uh, you know, the black population down and everything. And that carried that carried on into the 50s and 60s and 70s yeah. in America. Pretty wild, right? It's more than wild. What I didn't know is when you were looking at uh, that stuff, that Macy's. Yeah, I saw that too. Yeah. In 1939, Macy's devoted several floors. Three of them. Full floors. To the, where it said the old South comes North. But uh, I I didn't know that people protested that. And I'm looking at some pictures that you sent me here that says, you'd be sweet too under a whip. Gone with the wind hangs, it says, and here's uh, African-American men and women protesting, dressed, by the way, beautifully, uh, like everybody else, uh, you know, in the United States at that time, uh, who was a middle class person. Gone with the wind hangs the free Negro. Uh, You know, here are intelligent people, uh, you know, just normal American citizens protesting outside a theater in 1940. And uh, they thought the history was flawed, that there were racist, you know, racial stereotypes and uh, this depiction of happy slaves. And you see that in the movies all the way through into way past 1939. I I think I mentioned this the other day when we were doing a show, the John Wayne's famous movie, The Alamo. Yep. With uh, Richard Widmark, the famous actor, plays uh, Jim Bowie and his slave is in there, and uh, I, I think, of course, his name is Moses, if I'm not mistaken. And there, Jim Bowie, you know, when, when uh, the Alamo is about to uh, be overrun, he says, well, here, Moses, here's these papers I wanted to give you all the time your freedom. And Moses starts to cry, and he, says, and he doesn't go because he loves him. He was the happy slave. He loved Jim yeah. Bowie. Mm-hmm. What bullshit. Sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Come on. You know, it's interesting. Now they pull it down. What do you think about them pulling it down at, at this point? Do you think it's too it's it's uh, too little, too late? Do you think it's a good idea? Like, what do you what do you think about them pulling it from the streaming services? I, I you see. I think that's an interesting thing, um, and but it, it it gets very close to the thing with the monuments. I I think that if they're going to start pulling movies down with uh, references to black people that are demeaning to them, they're going to have to knock off just about every, you know, just about 90% of the films in America. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, because there's great movies that I know that are great movies in themselves, but the way that they portray African-Americans are just uh, atrocious. 
this is one I think that African Americans, um, uh, you know, black people, people of color, whatever, whatever population, uh, you know, however it's best described, if that were me. I would find this highly offensive. I would not want this streaming. I think if you want to see Gone with the Wind, you should see Gone with the Wind uh, privately. You should see Gone the Wind. You should see Gone with the Wind um, uh, in, in like in the archives. Mm-hmm. Like in, you know, you should have full access to Gone with the Wind in, in the uh, film archives because it's a piece of film history. Uh, the same way that I think you should be able to see a statue of Robert E. Lee. Uh, not near the government, but maintained someplace as a part of the history of the United States, you know, uh, and with an explanation that, you know, these were people who rebelled against, the, you know, an honest portrayal of who and what they were. They they would not be people that I would want. My, I would not want you to uh, to sit and be like Robert E. Lee. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm not saying, you know, for a whole number of reasons, you know, but, you know, history is history. So this is, you know, this is the history of film, but it is a product. And uh, there are people who their minds are would love to see this. And and, uh, they're looking for things like this to confirm their bias Mm -hmm. against African-Americans. And it's extremely uh, disrespectful. Uh, you know, I said the other day on a show we were doing, and I said this for years. I don't know how. I, I don't know how black people let you let people get away with it. Uh, and I know the actors and actresses have to do it for the money. Every time I see the Pine Sol commercial with the uh, the black woman, mm-hmm. she's doing a head snap. Wow. I mean, and this is in the twenty first century, and I saw her do a commercial. You know, based for the COVID for COVID virus, about saying we're you know Pine Sol wants to tell you that we're all together, and she's an intelligent black woman, of course, you know, portraying a, a cleaning person, but it's several steps up from Hattie Mc, McDaniel's Mammy. You know what I'm trying to say? Sure. Now Pine Sol won't admit that or somebody else, but I think it is. Why does she have to go? You know, woo, or do a head snap, or or when you know the. Uh, the uh, the uh, woman who does the commercials for uh, for um, what the hell is it the uh, Popeyes chicken? Mm-hmm. Don't you find that a little stereotypical? Uh, yeah. <laughs> when you hear people in the background, woo, yeah. I I know tons of black folks like you do. I don't see everybody jumping around going woo. woo. You know, I'm, what the hell is that all about? Is that yeah, some secret agree. thing that black people are doing when white people are not? Of course not. I mean, those are stereotypes that I, you know, th- that I see out there. But then you'll watch, um, you know, commercials for like uh, money management or other things. And then what do you see? You see interracial couples. You see um, African-American men and women, uh, you know, talking uh, very intelligently and living certain lifestyles, you know. Why does it change when you go to Pine Sol or Popeye's Chicken? Uh, I wish I could give the right answer for it, man. But well, I, I I think there is one. I think that white advertisers or the people doing that, that shit, th- what they're doing is they're using their own racial prejudices and they're saying, "Hey, man, we're not gearing we're not gearing Popeye's Chicken to somebody who wants to trade in the stock market." You know, 
we're looking we're looking to we're looking to do this to the average uh, you know African American or somebody living in the in the hood or something like that. And they're crazy mind, you know. Yep. I, and I do, I'm just using that expression to show you how stupid it is. They're, they're oh, no, it's whatever it's kind of ridiculous. crazy stereotype that they have. You yeah, know? I mean, it, it's purely ridiculous stuff, man, with some of the stuff that still goes on today and how people don't shut it down. I will say this. I think I think they're making a positive step, you know, even though I don't think it's fair to have to go back and take out every type of awful historical movie. You know, like you said, there's a place for everything. But yeah. I did find out that they're what they're going to do is they're actually going to they're um, they brought in um, a, a very important um, African-American activist and is going to she's she's going to give an uh, intro to the movie when it goes back to streaming. And really? Yeah. yeah, that's that's what they ended up doing. So that's what they ended up doing. They wanted when they bring it back, but they need to go do that. All those measures first before they put it back on streaming and any of the apps. And what they'll do is they're going to put a, an African-American activist that's going to describe certain things about the movie and to discuss it before the, the, they play the movie on the streaming service. I, you know, and I, we talked about this a couple of days ago, and that was actually, uh, I, 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 and look at that. I didn't even know that, but that's what I was going to say is that they'd have some kind of a rating or disclaimer and saying, uh, you know, we're showing this film, but for historical purposes, please keep in mind that some of the scenes are going to be very offensive and blah, blah, blah. But I'm sure that's what this, um, you know, this, the, the activists will do and, and maybe have a, an opportunity to talk about the fact that uh, even though the white Americans embrace the movie, that uh, African-Americans and uh, reality showed that this was not, uh, a, you know, a good thing. And uh, that's very gracious. Uh, I think that's very gracious. You know, if people think that this is unheard of, uh, I, you know, it was called Song of the South, Disney's famous movie with Uncle Remus. Okay. Have you ever heard of Uncle Remus? I never have, no. Oh, my God. It was one of the most famous um, you know, things that Disney had. And they had tar babies. Did you really think it was just guys that like to discuss and analyze wrestling? I'm here to tell you there's a new chick in town. My name is Sunny Salem, and I am the host of That's What She Said. Get a female perspective of all the ins and outs of the wrestling business today. But don't worry, this isn't no prissy princess show. I hold nothing back. Check out That's What She Said on all major streaming platforms. Hey everyone, this is Stan Wangler from Just Thinking. Stop on by this week and listen to some of the great podcasts we have lined up for you. Two in particular are really good shows. One is called Are We Driving Ourselves Insane? Well, are we? And the next one is called Have You Been Having a Bad Day? Did You Have a Bad Day? Well, if you did, this is the show for you. And I bet you, when you get done listening, you'll feel a lot better. So join us. Uncle Remus, and he talked with an accent, you know, like, a, which I can't do, like a black person from the deep south and from one of these, uh, you know, gone with the wind eras. And he was a nice old uncle. And he would tell stories about Br'er Rabbit and all these other kinds of things. And, uh, you know, it was... Uh, <laughs> Excuse me. It was uh, many years ago. That was so offensive to black people. It was so demeaning and projected so many studies. Can you make tar babies and things like that? Jesus, Mary and Joseph. Uh, how could you 
even think to do that. And that was from the Disney Studios. Fantastic animation, fantastic songs. It's a, a wonderful uh, animated thing. But the content alone is just horrendous if you're an African-American. I mean, it, 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 it's cringeworthy. Yeah, so I that's been removed. Um, it's just like the um, the restaurants uh, when I lived in Georgia. And this is in the 70s. And I think it was only in the 80s that they got rid of them. Was Sambo's. That's the um, faces, right? I don't know what it's called now, uh, but uh, th- I think that might have been in Song of the South. It was a, a nursery rhyme or something. A, a little Black Sambo. Yeah, the little characters, right? Yeah, the Little Black yeah. Sambo. But I didn't know the, anything about that till last year. Yeah, but the, but the restaurant, I I, I think it, it it was like a Stuckey's. Uh, you know, you know, but I don't know what they changed the name of it to, though. But I, I've eaten at Sam Post before and uh, you'd go in there. I came from the north and I can't. I said, somebody said, hey, you want to go to Sambo's? Uh, I said, what What the pardon me, my language, folks. I said, what the fuck are you Sambo's? You can't say that. anymore. Sambo's. Are you, are you crazy? That would be like, you know, being in the military and saying, uh, hey, you tar babies coming over. Are you nuts? That kind of stuff is ridiculous. I mean, you know, anyway, I've, what do I find out? That, yeah, there's, not only do they have a few Sambos, they got Sambos all over the place. But they closed those down, not because of the food, because of the name. Same That's thing. Interesting. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a very, very interesting uh, topic. Uh, you know, the way, uh, you know, uh, African-Americans have been portrayed uh, the same way that other cultural you know, things have been unfair, how Jewish people have been portrayed, how, uh, you know, um, Italian-Americans have been tr- portrayed. Uh, the, the close second to African-Americans, how they've been portrayed, maybe even worse uh, in a different way, marginalized, is the American Indian. Absolutely. I agree. Jesus Christ. It, it wasn't only it was just recently that an Indian actually played a fucking Indian. If you look at all the old westerns, there's white guys with they always you know have wigs on. How nutty is that? That's nutty stuff, man. I'll tell you. You see some interesting, interesting. You just, I don't know, man. There's just so many things that's so interesting when you just see what people were thinking and how they do things, man. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I, I guess because it's different times, I just can't understand their thinking patterns on these things. And mm-hmm. the thing is, this shit still exists today. Mm-hmm. Isn't that scary to think? Uh, it's all scary. It, it's it's all scary to think. Um, and, and we'd have to do a, a whole other show on it. Uh, and, and then some, another 10 sh- shows. You, you know, think about it. I mean, I'm I, my age does become important here. I've mentioned Walt Disney. I can remember waiting every Sunday to see Walt Disney's wild, uh, wide world of color. And it was amazing. And he'd always be showing, I couldn't wait for the space uh, week when he'd have, you know, what the future was going to look like. Mm-hmm. And I, whoever thought I'd be around in 2020, this is 1955 or 1957 or 1959. Think of that. How many years ago as a little boy and they'd show you, you know, the, how cities would look modern and, you know, people would be living together and doing different things. 
Look at the world the way that it is. Is this is this the Jetsons? Is this the world of the future? You think of the movie two thousand and one, A Space Odyssey, right? Then followed yep. by two thousand ten, A Space. Remember the movie? You know, you're flying up to space and all these things. Where where is that happening? Not anytime soon. I mean, you know, SpaceX, you know, flight that goes up there and the the ship comes back down and lands on a pad, big friggin' deal. You know, I, it. Mm-hmm. We've done a lot of great things with social media and computers and flooding people with information all over the goddamn place. And, uh, you know, artificial intelligence and things like that. Yeah, it's been, you know, pretty impressive with some of those things. But with the other stuff, I mean, come on, seriously. It's, uh, I think the racism is, uh, I think it's is just as bad with a smaller number of people. Well, it's a good transition right there because last week there was some information that came on about this. You know, pretty much everybody knows about the whole Colin Kaepernick stuff from years ago. Um, Just to quickly refresh it, you know, Colin Kaepernick is an African-American quarterback. He opted to start kneeling and protesting for the Black Lives Matter campaign back in, I think it was 2016, uh, Mm -hmm. 2015-2016-ish. And he ended up letting his contract run out and opted to not re-sign a new contract um, and never was offered another one in the NFL. There was a lot of uproar about him doing the kneeling during the national anthem in support of Black Lives Matter. Many people did it with him. Many people were staunchly against him. Our president was staunchly against it and was criticizing it. There was a lot of people that were criticizing it. And, you know, Colin Kaepernick never got another opportunity in the NFL. He never played again in, in, in an NFL game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will say this right off the bat, because um, I want this to be known, you know, my opinion on his playing, because I'm looking at this from a playing perspective. Um Colin Kaepernick was not an elite quarterback at this point. Colin Kaepernick was a one or two year quarterback that had some couple of good years and had really fizzled out to being pretty awful as a starting quarterback. But, mm-hmm. you know, with that said, there was no reason Colin Kaepernick couldn't have gotten a job, you know, at this point as a backup to somebody. He would have been an excellent backup quarterback, um, somebody on their roster. You know, he would have been somebody that, that would have fit that mold per- perfectly fine. Um, and been able to do it. Now, I also want to put out, too, that Colin Kaepernick is the one that ended up canceling his contract out. He was the one that ended up doing it. He tested free agency. He lost. Um, he didn't get an opportunity. Now, a lot of people were in uproar over it and said that it was due to the fact that he um, supported the Black Lives Matter campaign. It was due to the fact that he um you know, was an activist and kneeling during the national anthem that nobody wanted to work with him then that he'd become too radical for everybody. And of course the NFL at that point said no way, no shape, no form. That's not exactly true at all. And they used more of my, my debate that I just made earlier about his playing time and about how he had been playing. Now, Roger Goodell came out, I believe it was last week as a commissioner of the NFL and admitted that the NFL um, handled it poorly and that they handled it wrong. And he made an apology for it actually all those years later which I found very interesting, you know, that, that, that he admitted it. I don't think it was authentic, to be honest with you. 
Mm-hmm. I think it was in relation to the things that are going on now, and he's trying to avoid that PR nightmare again. The NFL ended up losing out on millions of dollars because he sued them, and he, they, he ended up getting millions from the NFL. And mm-hmm. he was offered another tryout last year, which mm-hmm. was a complete nightmare, if you remember. Mm-hmm. Um, they couldn't agree to terms and conditions and everything. Now, several coaches in the NFL have actually come out over the last couple of uh, days as well. Pete Carroll, the head coach, uh, Super Bowl winning head coach of the Seattle Seahawks, actually admitted that he made an egregious error by not signing him as a backup uh, when he was uh, free and available, that he didn't really want to hear anything about it and that he really just wanted nothing to do with it, but that he made an egregious error on it. And that he should have thought smarter for the sake of his team to bring a, a quality backup like him in than not doing it. Now, it worked out pretty well for him. He ended up winning a Super Bowl. So, irregardless of that, he's admitting mm-hmm. fault. And there's been other coaches in the NFL and other players that admitted the same thing. So, to make a long story longer, I find it really interesting that these people are coming out now and saying, this guy got fucked, basically. And he got put out and he was blackballed. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's going to be this debate still. They're still trying to potentially get him back in the NFL now to try to appease this situation and to, to see if he'd be interested in coming back in and trying out for the NFL. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think of all this? I know it was a long story there, but what do you, no, guys, I, what do you think of oh, it all? I, I think uh, I, I think this is uh, this is just the owners and the uh, white power structure. Of the league, and I, you, you tell me, is the league truly owned by minority groups or people of diversity, or is no it, way, <laughs> no way? This is the same as the uh, when you now just bear me, bear out for one second here. You're going to say, how does this tie into the police force? This is why black people are saying, hey, I want to defund the police. They're not talking about eliminating the police. They're saying, I want the police doing just police work. And we want to really uh, clarify what the police work is. We don't want people coming in here. And if you're falling asleep in Wendy's parking lot, we don't want it. We don't want it to escalate. We have to shoot us. We don't want that kind of law enforcement. Mm-hmm. What this is a great show by showing uh, Gone with the Wind and the role of black people in 1939 and the charade that I think the white owners and other people have with black athletes. The majority of the NFL are black players. And the culture of the players is markedly different than the owners and the people in power. Would you agree with me with that? Yes. Yeah, and uh, I I think when you listen to many of the players in there, a lot of the players are not, to me, the most highly educated people in the world. Some of them are, some of them aren't. Uh, they they are in there most of the time pretty much for the money. For the money, the fame, uh, that's the game. Would you agree with me on that one? Yep. Yeah, I'm sorry to say. I mean, you know, I'm sure they love football and the glory and all that stuff, but it, this is a great way to make a lot of cash. You know, a lot of cash, a lot of checks, a lot of uh, booze, a lot of fame, a lot of nice houses, a lot of jewelry, a lot of other stuff. And you get these white owners, these white businessmen and everything else like that. They can't have anybody upset in the apple cart. Just like the cops come in there and they want to over police black neighborhoods. 
just like the KKK came around and, you know, in the, in the, the 1939 movies there and wanted to keep, you know, the black people in check after, you know, in reconstruction and everything else like that. Is this making sense to you what I'm saying? Sure. Absolutely. You can't, you can't have anybody being uppity. You can't, you can't have anybody getting uh, in, in 2019, 15, 16, you would think it would be very liberal, but we become more conservative than ever with African-Americans in many ways. Why? Because the, the total number of people of color have changed in this country. They're in the majority and not in the minority. Mm-hmm. And I think that scares the piss out of a sizable portion of white Americans. It scares them. They're scared of the country uh, becoming, you know, you know, too much of a diverse place, too much of color. It's happened. The same shit is happening in Europe, in England, in other places. So you get the authoritarian, you get the racism, you get all the shit in the country. And I think that same thing is seen in the NFL. I think the owners, I think the coaches, I think the people who really pull the strings and have business and make shit work. I don't think they respect those players by and large. I think they try and manipulate those players. I think they try and control those players. And they, you know, they can do all the pretending that they want. But it's it's only a couple of step ups, steps up from boxing. In my in my mind, the way that it's played right now. Mm-hmm. One of the terms that has just been eliminated, but you still hear it will come out every once in a while is stables of boxers. Am I right? Yeah. They call them stables. Yep. Now, maybe you think I'm giving you too dark a picture, and I'm sure you can get Lawrence Taylor will get out there from the Giants and say, you know, my day, you know, I did all this and I was the greatest. And, and I want to say, man, you might think you were using them, but they were always using you. The guy I'd want to hear from is Jim Brown, you know, who was right there from the beginning and, and knows all the shit that's going on right now. So when Colin comes out and he takes a knee, and he does that. What am I trying to say? The owners, this friggin' president, this crooked administration that we have, this base of the Republican Party that has no black support whatsoever is shit in a pill. And they're saying, we don't want any militant blacks. Stop it before it spreads. It's bad enough having people like Odell Beckham and uh, who's the other guy? Antonio Brown. Oh, yeah. Other cases floating around, right? That yep. are getting millions and millions of dollars and they're a cancer yep and they were looking at colin kaepernick as a cancer well it's funny because there's also been some recent things out there goodell's been really pushing hard for this and it's in the news right now um over on espn.com for anybody wants to go read all the the handwriting on the wall oh absolutely and you know what they uh there that could potentially happen with the nfl players that has been talked about that is if he's not signed to a team this year they've talked about protesting the whole season Mm -hmm. i don't think that will go to that level do you i don't you know i don't know and you know i have to tell you to me, I really don't care. I'm with you. I mean, I love. Football. I really don't I care. I, I think. I, I think professional. The NFL has become a farce. Whether you're a black player, whether you're a white player, or whether you're a coach, you know, whether you're a fan, uh, whatever. It, it's become such a merchandising bullshit thing. It, it's got so many head cases, grandstanding, lack of sportsmanship, uh, and you know, over technical bullshit. Uh, it, it, to me, it, it's it's lost 
so much enjoyment. I mean, how much more shit do these guys want, you know, to play a game? They, they got everything on videotape. They've been sitting there with computers. They've got, uh, you know, concussion should for their health. Concussion protocols, uh, you know, everything is, you know, every single move that the other team is doing is monitored and conveyed to them. I mean, this isn't how football was devised. This isn't the game of football. I mean, it looks like football. You know, you know what I'm sorry to see go is McMahon's XFL. Well, you never know with McMahon. He might bring that back sooner rather than later. Didn't you find that that brought football back to being real football? I liked it the times that I watched it. I thought it was very entertaining. I knew it was a failure right from the start, man. Though they just you them the NFL is a monopoly. That's why when the guy like Colin Kaepernick gets the boot out there, man, it's a monopoly. There's nowhere else for him to go. Was he going to go to the CFL and make 250 bucks a week? You know, the XFL was a great idea and I loved it. I thought it was fun, but they're not designed to compete against the NFL. It's all this. It's all the big businesses, man, that sit over there and, and push around everybody else. Now McMahon's the same way with the WWE. You know, that's what he's done Mm -hmm. forever. He's bought out every little guy and, and put him out of business. You know, mm-hmm. so it, it does happen, but I don't know, man. I mean, the NFL is, I mean, I wouldn't, I love watching football and I mean, I would miss it, but I mean, I wouldn't be like hell bent on, you know, protesting if it didn't come on this year because of this stuff. Would I be missing it? Sure. Absolutely. My team actually might have a good season for once, but irregardless of that, man, I don't know. It's uh, I'm very turned off by a lot of the antics and I'm very turned off by a lot of the yeah. players. And I'm very turned off by the people running it. I I, I think you're telling you're giving me uh, you know uh, my sentiments exactly, and uh, maybe I'm dating myself uh, with different things. I like elements of uh, modern baseball better than the baseball when I was a kid in the '50s and '60s and '70s. Uh, as a matter of fact, I like baseball a lot more now than I did in the '90s, in the '80s. I think it's much more interesting. I think it's much more professional and everything. Mm-hmm. The only thing that I don't like about uh, baseball right now is they're doing the same thing that the NFL is doing. And I think it's, in a way, it's almost cheating. It's by the use of all the computer algorithms. Oh, absolutely. And the analytics. I mean, it really sucks. I mean, you know, play your position and you could put a little bit of a shift on. But for Christ's sakes, when you're using a supercomputer to determine, uh, you know, what pitch to throw to whom – uh, you know, and then you're doing a shift on, I mean, come on, you know? Yeah. They're playing money ball. Yeah. Whatever you want to call it. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's, it's, wouldn't it be not, you know, just, just, if you're the pitcher, try and strike out the batter. Hey, I'm with <laughs> you on that. We'll, we'll get back to MLB in one second to close up the show. I want to get your opinion now. Do you think Colin Kaepernick will be back in the NFL this year or do you think not? Um, I don't get a good feeling that he'll be back in, but if he comes back in, I think it, they'll be patronizing him. I, I, I think his 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 day has come and gone. I agree. I don't think he wants to play in either way. So. <laughs> I don't. I don't think he wants to play. Why would you want to play with that? Why would you? I agree. <laughs> I don't think he wants to play. I definitely am pretty sure he doesn't need to play. So I'm sure he has more than enough money to last the rest of his life, but. I, I agree, man. Why would you why would you want to be a part of that vile system? You know, that that did that with all that stuff, too. But 
hey, it is what it is, man. You know, I mean, it's an interesting, it's another interesting development in the world that's going on. You know, for people that say all the riots, which I think are awful and all the protests are wrong, there's things that are coming good out of the protest and the awareness to this. Oh, absolutely. There, there's things that are good that are happening. And if you can't see that, you need to open your mind and stop closing it off to the, to the world, you know, because I, I don't agree with rioting, of course. I don't agree with violence like that, but they're doing some very good things with this um, that are coming out of it. And there's there's some systemic change that is slowly happening. Now, it needs to happen over time and to maintain that way, but remains to be seen on that. Now, my last topic for the night is a sports one, too, but... Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, some of the biggest hitters ever in baseball, still mm-hmm. can't get into the Hall of Fame in, in Major League Baseball. Uh, they're using the debate about the steroids and human growth hormones and their usage of it, which was not illegal at the time, and saying that that they 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 can't get into the Hall of Fame because of it. What do you think about that? Well, I guess Sammy Sosa, this, from what I understand that I'm not a, a, a big guy to understand too much of this, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, with the, with this kind of thing, I, I believe there's a 10 year period that you can be, um, that you can stay on the ballot. Yeah. And then if you don't get on, you're done. Yeah. And he's, uh, he's on the eighth year of the ballot and he only got 13, uh, or almost close to 14% of the vote. So it looks like he's cl- close to running out of the time to make it through the door here. But he's only got a couple of other shots. But he had, uh, to my understanding, Sammy Sosa had, <coughs> excuse me, my allergies today. He had over 600 career home runs. Yep. And that's over 600, man. I mean, you know. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know why that, um, you know, why he couldn't be in there. But I guess he, he didn't, uh, he wasn't the, uh, he wasn't a guy using steroids. He was using some other uh, some other kind of medication, am I correct? That was it was like a human time. growth hormone, like a, a yeah. testosterone builder. And you see, this is, uh, yeah, this is this is the rub, man. This is uh, I I can see why some people, uh, I can see why some people say, hey, you know, it's um, not a good thing when you use steroids, man. It it makes a tremendous difference in in your ability. And people who haven't used it are at a distinct disadvantage. I think. I don't know what you think. And I'm saying that as a as a psychologist, as a scientist. It's a, I yes, testosterone it makes you more aggressive, um, makes you, uh, you know, put on the weight, gives you more of an edge. Uh, you know, makes you more competitive, and things like that. And um, hey. It's it's supposed to be when you come in there, those things are not legal. They didn't have testing for it, uh, which was, was, was <laughs> there was there was no form of testing um, at that point in, in time. And if people go back and they look at they look at his case throughout the years is the years that it was documented that he, um, you know, supposedly ended up using steroids this first seven years before that. He had won three MVPs in that time frame anyways. So in the first seven years of his career, he had actually won three MVPs even before anybody um, in this timeline of him ever supposedly used steroids, which I found interesting today when I found that. I really did. Right. I found that I found that very interesting about his career. 
Um, while it does, of course, enhance their performance and those things, it's very imperative to note, you know, that that stuff was not illegal at the time in regards to Major League Baseball um, personnel using it. It was not illegal at the time. So I think that's a little unfair on that note. Now, a lot of it was about supplements that he was using for weight training, um, things that, uh, you know, he admitted to, you know, there are some people thought he was using. He has never admitted to any of this, which is the which is the funniest thing. The other guys have been very open and honest about their use of human growth hormones and stuff. But Bonds never has ever like admitted to any of these things at all, even with even with the, you know, the packaging and the cases against Balco and all that stuff at the time. He's never admitted to anything of it there. And I I don't believe when they try and when they tried him, he, he was found not guilty, too. Well, what it's what I seem to remember, the black mark against Sammy Sosa is that he had a rumored use of PEDs, yeah. which would boosted his power numbers yep. at the height of his home run career. And in 2003, uh, I think it was the year, the New York Times ran a report that Sosa and 104 other uh, MLB players failed drug tests. Mm-hmm. But even though he failed the test, at that time, the, M- uh, the Major League Baseball didn't have penalties for first-time violators. Correct. It's drug policy. But it looks to me like he clearly was a violator. Yeah, and he admits to it, and so does Mark McGuire for Sammy Sosa. <laughs> right. Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire admits that they were violators of it. But like you had said, there was no formal um, league rules on those things for violations and what they could do. It was it was a ground that was very different at that point. Um, of course, you know, they don't want people using steroids, but these guys were supplied these via doctors and things, too. Yeah. So, there was the question of that with the Balco stuff and everything. So there was no punitive measures in place for that. Not till many, many years later after they all stopped playing, which now the penalties are extremely stiff. The first time penalty is a 50 game suspension. The second one is an 80 game suspension. And then the third one is a full year suspension. And if they have a fourth one, it's a lifetime ban. Right. But, you know, it's interesting. He's in good company because, uh, you know, this isn't where Sammy Sosa is the only guy. But, you know, these guys had to testify in front of the House Committee on Oversight of Government Reform. And uh, none of the players implicated in the PED scandal, to the best of my knowledge, have ever been elected into the Hall of Fame. Uh, You got Roger Clemens, the phenomenal picture. Roger, your buddy. You love Roger Clemens. It was lights out, man. He's at the 61% level for the necessary 75% tally again to, to, to Cooperstown uh, for the numbers that I have. And just a hair below him is your buddy that you love is Barry Bonds. I don't love Barry Bonds. I think he's a scumbag as a human being, as a person. He's uh-huh. one of the most nasty human beings that you'll ever see in interviews and just how he acts. Uh, mm-hmm. Not many people say many nice things about him. Um, and I've never really heard any nice things about him. But he's arguably one of the greatest baseball players of all time. Mm-hmm. I, and there's honestly, and then people could could deny it all day long and say what they want to say uh, with the PEDs and all that stuff. And he he is probably the greatest hitter of all time, I, I would say. Um, I, I think he's a better hitter than uh, Hank Aaron, Babe Ruth, all those guys. And that's that's saying something now was how much of it was influenced by these human growth hormones, by these drugs. Well, you know, he's won all of these cases against him. So 
it's hard to it's hard to fault him because of being recognized in the Balco reports, you know, whereas the other two admitted to it. But still, they weren't illegal substances at that point. It's like going back and, you know, we have statute of limitations, you know, on crimes for a reason. Right. Mm hmm. It's kind of like the statute of limitations, like they're going back and punishing someone for something when there was no clear guidelines, rules or anything that was involved with it. Did it influence their production? I'm sure it definitely did. But mm -hmm. how can you go back and punish them for something that wasn't illegal back then? Well, you know, the, the, being in the Hall of Fame, I, you know, I, I guess they should be people who epitomize the best of baseball. And maybe that's just, you know, me. And you get back to, to Sosa, uh, when, you, when you look at him, the reports from Sports Illustrated when all this was coming out, when he first came into baseball, he was 150 pounds. Ten years later, he was 70 pounds heavier. He was jacked and he was hitting home runs to left field and right field. No denying that, man. I agree. People said he was so shredded, people thought that he was using steroids and in, in 2003, he was also listed as someone who tested, for, um, he tested positive for using, you know, those performance enhancing drugs. He denied it. And even if he wasn't cheating on uh, steroids, one of the things that I've seen with Sosa, for example, and I don't know if you know anything about Barry Bonds, he was caught cheating in other ways. For example, in 2003, he was caught, caught using a cork bat. Yep, absolutely. Which was illegal. And no, he absolutely. said that it was an accident, but the damage to his character was done. And, uh, you know, things like that um, are what make sports writers who know the shit that these guys pull and don't, you know, not want to, uh, you know, not want to put them in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's amazing to just throw away these accomplishments, though. Here's just Barry's right here. He's a 14-time All-Star. He played from 1986 to 2007. Um, he was with the Pittsburgh Pirates from 86 to 92, and then he was with the San Francisco Giants from 93 to 2007. He was a 14-time All-Star, a, a seven-time uh, National League MVP, eight-time Gold Glove uh, Award, 12-time Silver Slugger, Slugger Award, three-time Hank Aaron Award winner, two-time NL batting champion, two-time NL home run leader, the NL uh, RBI leader one year. Uh, his number is retired in San Francisco. He has 762 career home runs, the most of all time. He holds a single season record, 73 home runs. He has 2,558 uh, uh, based on balls walks. He's got 232 in one season at one point. He has a 609 on base percentage in a single season at one point. And his career slugging percentage was an 863. I mean, holy shit, right? Yeah, and do you think that he did this all clean? You know, I don't, of course. I don't, because if you go back and you look at him from his earlier age to where he was at, you could definitely see the differences hugely, like you said. But his stats when he was playing uh, from 86 to 92, which was before the, the suspected use um, of him at that point, was his some of his best years in baseball. He was a three-time MVP at that point. Yeah. Um, he had won the batting title. He'd won the stolen bases title one year. He had done it all before all the eras, you know, even before they thought he was using, you know, but the hard part is like you, when you look at it, it's like, who knows? I mean, did he probably use steroids? I would probably say he did. Yeah, absolutely. But if you can't prove it and it wasn't illegal, it's really unfair to punish him for it and to sit over there and deny them the right to go into the hall of fame, in my opinion. 
Um, well, we can suspect you know, things all day long. Maybe he really did hit the gym that fucking hard, man, and do it. Who knows? You know, well, I'll tell you this. There's there's something else to think about. Here. Mm-hmm. You know, since the name of the show is Does Father Know Best? And, you know, it's a terrible thing to deny somebody something that has, you know, real value. And, mm-hmm. you know, the value of things is like, you know, there's perceived needs and there's real needs. And the Hall of Fame is a perceived need. The Hall of Fame isn't a real need. You and I need food. We need water. We need a warm place to stay, right? We don't mm-hmm. need to be in the Hall yep. of Fame. When all is said and done, these guys are just catching, hitting, and throwing a ball. And let, let's, let me just use some information that I have on w- one person, uh, which is, and maybe you have information on uh, Barry Bonds or Roger Clemens or any of the other guys. But Sammy Sosa in his career, and this is excluding uh, any kind of endorsements that he was making at the time, was paid $124 million. He has a $7 million home in Miami. He's got homes all over the world. I believe he lives in Dubai, uh, you know, up here as well as, uh, you know, having housing in Panama and the Dominican Republic, all over the world. And he spent piles of money. According to Celebrity Net Worth, he's worth $70 million now. Jesus. So I guess what I'm trying to say is it's like beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Yeah, I guess if I had all those records and I felt lesser people were getting it, I would feel pretty <laughs> terrible. But you see where I'm coming from? He wasn't Jonas Salk. He wasn't, uh, neither was Barry Bonds, neither is Derek Jeter or anybody else or Tiger Woods or Jack Nicholas or other sports fair, Tom Brady. It's wonderful. It's great accomplishments in their field. But they're not saving the world from anything. Oh no, I agree. You know, Bonds made 188 million over his career. What's that again? Bonds ended up making 188 million over the life of his yeah, career. Yeah, you feel you, you, and, and, not on that uh, no, man. I'll take 188 million dollars over the course of my life, man. I'll be lucky to make a few million over the course of my life before I die. <laughs> and God only knows how many women, how many uh, of you know wonderful experiences he had, how many outstanding people would worship him like a god, kids throwing themselves at him, thinking he was wonderful, autograph signed, meals, best rooms, everything else. I, I know it sounds like a shame, but for what? For hitting and throwing and catching a baseball. I definitely don't disagree at all, man. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just one way of looking at it. I'm sorry for him. I mean, you know, people aspire to different things. You know, it's like uh, whatever, you know, you want to be the best painter. Somebody could say you're just putting pictures on a, on a thing or a photographer or a writer. Or filmmaker. But I mean, when you really look at it. Here's an interesting one on it to close it out here when we're looking at the salaries of these guys, like you mentioned, too. They're Mm -hmm. not cured cancer. Who do you think is the highest paid player of all time in Major League Baseball? The highest? uh, Don't tell me it's uh, Sabathia. (laughs) He's in the top top six. Top five. He's number... He's number five. CC Sabathia. I, I know, and they should they should boot him right in the ass. <laughs> CC Sabathia made in his career. Uh, a Rod. Uh, a Rod, you got it, one hundred percent correct. Here's the top five of all time here for of earnings. Um, number five is CC Sabathia. He made over almost two hundred sixty one million dollars in his career, and this is folks. This is just off salary. This is not including endorsements or any of that shit. This is wasn't just, worth wasn't worth any of it. No, I mean he had a few good years. Give me, but seriously, Derek Jeter, two hundred sixty-five million was number four. 
Miguel Cabrera from the Marlins and the Tigers. He's still playing. Has made two hundred seventy-six million. Number two was uh, Albert Pujols, two hundred eighty-five million. Number one, listen to the glaring difference on this fucking one. This is the gift that keeps on giving forever for the Yankees. Uh, Alex Rodriguez, four hundred forty-five million dollars. Jesus. I, I agree. <laughs> uh, the only, the only, uh, the, the only uh, w- worst deal they got was that was from Stanton. Jesus, man. Am I right or wrong? No, you're right. And then you're waiting season after season. Well, he's nervous up at the plate. Oh, well, you see him. Hit oh, money. no, no, no. That he he's way less than than a Rod, man. There's not even a touching on the money than, with that one. A Rod's a Rod's the biggest miss of all time, probably. I know, but what was Stan? Was he 175 million dollars or something? I mean, he's was, not listed he's, in the top tw- in the top in the top 15. So uh, then you had Sanchez. What the hell was he being paid? Um, he's not listed in the top 15 either yet. Not saying he won't be, but he's not listed in the top 15 either. You have to figure too with a lot of these guys is a lot of their wealth comes from later on in their career because Major League Baseball has the hooks in on them for the first four to five years they play and the teams do because of their rookie contracts and yeah. stuff. So these are things that they're making over the life of uh, over uh, like probably about a seven to 10 year period. And most of these teams are still paying these people to this day. And it's ridiculous. Those are ridiculous amounts of sums. Yeah. That, uh, and and when, when, when you hear me say that, you're paying for it when you're, you know, for those people who go to a baseball game and you go to a snooze job and you watch somebody and say, well, he's having a bad season this year. You know, he just can't seem to get the, (laughs) what is, what does he give a shit once he has a contract like that? You ain't lying, man. It's like the guy that they signed from the nationals there. Um, What's his name? Uh, I forget what the hell his name is there. I'm blanking on it right now. The Phillies ended up signing him there. And uh, no, he's not a pitcher. He's, um, He's a hitter for them. God, I'm going to blank on it right now. I'll remember it later. But they signed him to this like massive ass deal over the life of it. And it was just last year. And here's the guy hitting 215 uh, with 28 home runs or some shit. You know, they're paying this guy. They're on the hook for him for 300 some odd million bucks over the next 10 years. Ridiculous. What about, what about everybody feeling sorry for Sabathia? And I, as a person, I do telling everybody he was he, he was uh, had an alcohol problem. Yeah. He was getting wasted and playing. Yeah, a bit, yeah, he's sweating on the mound. He's a big fat tub of shit. Missing uh, <laughs> the mark. Yeah, because the fucking guy's hung over. I agree. I and agree. then who gets yeah. the boot? Girardi. Yeah, to blame for his shit. <laughs> you got to love it, right? Well, you know, that's that's why the owners and, and the racism that you see or the the uh, stuff that we were talking about, that's why it creeps in to these kind of, uh, these kind of things uh, when you look at sports and everything else like that because of the, uh, just, the just the relationships and the, you know, the, the pure greed that's involved, the greed of the owners. Uh, yeah, you know, you, you mentioned baseball. I, I hope, uh, does Dylan Batan still pitch for the Yankees or did they get rid of him? That's... He pitches for the Mets now, right? Yeah, he's the Mets uh, pitcher setup man. Yeah, he was. This guy was one of the best pitchers in the American League with what he was doing. And I'm looking at him saying he's getting into a, a fight with them. You know what they were paying him in his heyday? No, I don't actually. The 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 league minimum, a half a million bucks a year. And he's their top guy. He was their top guy, their setup setup guy. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah, and then the other guy's getting 260. How, how can you do that? And he's Wait. not even playing for them anymore, and he's still making all that. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep. Interesting Ooh. show, huh? Yeah, great topics, man. I thought it'd be a fun show. I hope, hopefully everybody enjoyed it. We talked a little of everything from movies to life to sports to everything there, man. Um, I'll wrap it up and I'll say, man, I got a great dose of chloroquine coming for you. Yeah, a uh, really clever uh, President Trump. Uh, <laughs> you had to slip him in there. Hey, I want to do. Can I just say something quick here about yes. President Trump? Yeah, go right ahead because I agree with what you're going to say. Yeah, you you uh, very seldom do I stick up for the president. Now I saw him get railed uh, about nine months ago for something, and he was clearly just joking. And he's such a prick that when he jokes, I actually like him. Sometimes, you know, I say, yeah, he's not that bad. And then he turns out being just an idiot two seconds later. But I saw the news just going ballistic. And listen to my show on Just Thinking Tomorrow about uh, being bombarded with the craziness of news uh, and all that kind of good stuff. And there's an example. The president was doing a speech uh, at West Point. And everybody said, oh, his health. He was stumbling down the stairs and we better check his check him out and do all this stuff. And he was drinking water with his right hand and he had to put his left hand under it and put it up to his face. And everybody's hoping that this son of a bitch is ready to die, that he has dementia. <laughs> Jesus, man. All these things, you know, just looking for the worst. Now, I, I always say this, so I'm sure you're sick of it. I'm a psychologist. I'm a trained observer. I'm not a medical doctor, but I do have to observe people's gait, their their uh, gross motor movements, their fine motor movements. You have to look at their body shape and their size, their age. Their That's their developmental period. This man is 74 years old. He's in the middle of massive rioting, a pandemic. He's fighting with people for five and a half years, 24 fucking hours a day, seven days a week. He doesn't sleep. He's like a shark. This guy, I've never seen him, even with a case of the sniffles. Have you? Have you he's ever seen him? He's going to outlive all of us. <laughs> he thrives on, he's like Rasputin. And if you don't know who he was, the mad monk, I mention him all the time. It's as, He's like him. This guy. This guy, you could, you'd have to stab him through the heart 500 times. I don't wish any harm on President Trump, by the way, or any other person. Not at all. Not a hair on his head. But I'm watching the film of him going down this, the thing that people are thinking, oh, he's sick. What the fuck is the matter with people? He's not sick. Have you seen the ass on this guy? <laughs> if he had a haul ass, he'd have to make two trips, man. <laughs> He's a 74-year-old guy. He's up all day and night. He's at West Point. It's like 100 degrees out that day. He's in there that, with that big fucking stupid blue suit, and the top of his head looks like an aircraft carrier. He's standing there in the hot sun. He's been up all night long. People are protesting. Everybody hates him. He's worried about not getting elected. And, and what is he doing? He's trying to walk down the stairs carefully. Why wouldn't he? He looked perfectly fine. He's a big fat ass. <laughs> what is the matter with you, America? <laughs> he kills more people. He makes my wife, he gives my wife derangement, Trump derangement syndrome. That's all I hear with this. That fucking bastard. I'm going to use that. I hope he dies, that bastard. And I'll say, would you please stop saying that? We don't want anybody to die just because you don't like him as the president or something like that. People want this bastard to die. He's a bastard. 
That's awful, no, man, for people but, that want that, though. But, but you know, and I'm going to be doing a show on revenge. But did you find him as looking like he had to admit? No, he's an old man. He's an older man. He's being careful. I, I'm 38, and I think I would have been the same way going down there when it's 105 degrees, man. If I was in his place, I, I think that's kind of heartless for people to assume that. Yeah, or it's like him trying to pick up a glass of water with his hands or something. He might have been exhausted, you know? That's a stressful-ass job, man. <laughs> stressful. Constant 24-7, and the guy's a nutcase, which makes it even worse. <laughs> a nutcase, and he's stupid besides. Oh, Stupid geez. as shit. Dumb as a fucking box of rocks, but that's a good way to end it. <laughs> so President Trump, John and I are telling you we're on your side, that you're just a fat ass and a dumbbell. That you don't have to, you don't have dementia, even though you act like it. We don't think that you have it. You're just a self-made jackass. He's the new face of freedom, my friend. Yes, the new face of freedom. That's yep. happy birthday, belated to President Trump. Yeah, yeah, you know, happy birthday to him. I I saw wonderful people wishing him happy birthday the other day. To many more, to you, Uncle Donald. <laughs> <laughs> now, in all fairness, now that I stick up for him, you did. I I got some cheap shots. He's just a 74-year-old guy with a big ass. I I didn't even bury him, and I love to bury him. I will say, though, I love seeing the chloroquine thing came out because I could have told any one of those fucking dopes that chloroquine was not the way to go. I had to to take that shit, man, for a year fucking straight when I was in Iraq. The side effects of chloroquine is no joke, bro. (laughs) Yeah, you also got diagnosed with TB, didn't you, when you were in Korea? Uh, Tuberculosis, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I had to take chloroquine for a whole year straight. Every we used to call it malaria Monday. Yeah, you'd have to take your malaria pill every Monday in front of in front of the uh, in front of the the leaders, and everybody would have to pull their malaria pill out. And when I was in Iraq for that year, and uh, take your malaria medication, and it would give you these incredibly awful, vivid dreams, bad dreams. Uh, you wouldn't want to eat. You know, you'd sweat profusely, stomach problems, respiratory issues when they were pulling it out, you know, and he he was talking up like chloroquine was some new thing. I'm like, motherfucker, go out and check that out. So I was glad to see the FDA outlawed it for the use of the coronavirus today. So I'll just say that. But I'm going to leave it at that note there because I'm sure there'll be some more fun things. And we actually didn't talk about covid much at all today, which, I you know, I think people will be happy to not hear about covid for a day or two. But we'll get back to that in the near future, I'm sure, many times over, because it ain't going anywhere. <laughs> hey, by the way, can I add one quick COVID thing so that people do realize something? Yeah, go right ahead. People keep saying, I wonder when the second wave is going to come. And if first wave isn't done, on, buddy. Yes, the first wave isn't done. <laughs> so don't be, don't be counting on it yet to come, because the first wave isn't even done. Oh, man. But that's it. Ended on that note. No more COVID hey, for tonight. Absolutely. Well, check out Just Thinking. Dad's got uh, six new shows a week up there every day but Saturday. Check it out. Great show. Great listen every day to start your day to end your day, to listen in the middle of the day, whatever you want to do. It's a great show. Um, what do you got coming up this week? Any topics that uh, for what you haven't done this week that you want to put out there? Oh, man, I'm going to do one on revenge. Uh, you know, that that's not a good thing that people are into. I have done a number of shows, and it's a professional interest of mine on artificial intelligence, and I'm going to be doing a lot of shows on that some more. I've done several on. Look at the past shows. They've all proven to be spot on the money. As a matter of fact, uh, artificial intelligence uh, manufacturers are not selling it to the police force in the United States. 
because they're afraid of, of how it can be used for bad purposes. And the show that came out today, uh, you'll have to go back and, and just pick that up and listen to it on American Ideals. Uh, what a great show that was. It actually brought tears to my eyes as I was doing it. I actually looked up, you know, the the five American ideals that the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, everything else is pretty much fundamentally based on and went over it. And man, it's really good. There were some things in there that I had forgotten. And uh, it's a really good uh, thing to, to to sit and listen to that, um, you know, to to, to sit and say, hey, our founding fathers wanted some of these things like, you know, there's supposed to be like a social contract here and blah, blah, blah. Interesting stuff. So uh, take a peek at that. And uh, tomorrow's show coming up uh, is, is a good one on the magical number seven. Plus and minus two. You figure that one out. It's a classic stuff on how much information we can handle as human beings. Good stuff. stuff. Yeah, it's all interesting stuff. It's uh, stuff I've been thinking about and stuff that's important to your life, man, when you're getting bombarded by shit. No doubt about it, man. No doubt about it. Sound interesting or are you just humoring me? Uh, It could be both. I like I like (laughs) No, it sounds interesting, of course. Um, And I always get this sneak peek to listen to them all. So I always enjoy that, man. No doubt about it. Well, check out our website, rcpodnetwork.com. It's a one-stop shop for all the different shows. Whether you like just thinking in that style of a show with daily talks, pep talks, knowledge talks from Mr. Stan, or you want to hear about stories from people's redemption and growth on Road to Redemption, or if you want to hear about the world beyond with Paul Caden, or if you want to hear from wrestling you from a women's perspective, you got Sonny over there. You got all the other great wrestling shows that we do wrestling with reality, which is a, which is a tremendous show that I do, or you got inspired with Christopher. You got the, the boys on the butthole. I mean, I could name everybody on the network. They're out there. We got Blake and Jeff back with us on our mixed martial arts show. We got everything you could possibly want. So go check out the RC podnetwork.com to it's a one-stop shop for everything we got and uh, we'll be back again this week and we definitely will have some more great stuff for you guys here this week Uh, on wednesday or thursday we'll have another new episode out for you and uh check back all week long and check all the shows out so until next time be good be safe hope you enjoyed this episode we will catch you on the next one and until then thanks for listening and we will see you and talk to you real soon right here on does father know best Thank you for listening to Does Father Know Best? Please check out our website, www.rcpodnetwork.com and follow John on Twitter at wwrpodcast or email John at wwrpodcast.com at gmail.com. You can reach Stan on Twitter at S-W-A-N-G-L-U-N-D or email him at S-W-A-N-G-L-U-N-D at gmail.com. And please make sure to subscribe to Does Father Know Best on your favorite podcast outlet.